Welcome back, y'all. So we are going to keep on going and march over to chapter 19 in John. And in chapter 19, um, we have the trial that just happened and they broke all the rules and they determined that they wanted Jesus crucified. Their goal was to have Jesus be killed. So in verse 1, it says, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Now, when the Romans did floggings or scourgings or what we today would call whippings, there was no limit under the Roman authority. They could whip people as long and as often as they wanted or as many times as they wanted. And people often died during the flogging or scourging. In the Jewish um, law, they had a limit of 39, but not the Romans. They could flog them as often as they wanted. Um, in verse 2, it says, The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. He was all whipped and bloody, and Pilate was likely hoping that this would satisfy the bloodlust that they had for, for Jesus. In all four Gospels, they re repeatedly report that Pilate was trying to let Jesus go. He didn't want to crucify Jesus. Um, in verse 6, it says, When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters and again asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus spoke up and said, you would have no power me over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. So the one who handed Jesus over to Pilate is the one who has the greater sin, is what they're saying. Pilate has no power over this. God's the one that has power over this. God's orchestrating because Jesus has to die so that we can be free from our sins and that we can have relationship restored with God again. Um, in verse 12, then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, which in Hebrew is called Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover, which means it was the Friday before the Sabbath. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. 
We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull. In Hebrew, it's called Golgotha. Now, the Hebrew root Golgotha, in Greek, it translates to cranium. In Latin, however, it translates to Calvary. And this is the only instance in the Bible where Calvary is used in the Latin version of the text. In verse 18, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. Now, when they nailed him to the cross, it's not like the nails we have today. These are like big, thick, huge nails that are being slammed through Jesus' wrists and bones and flesh and his feet and bones and flesh. It's very painful and excruciating, and I can't even begin to comprehend or imagine it. Um, Verse 19, And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the King of the Jews to, he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. In verse 23, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamlessly woven into one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. And that scripture that they're fulfilling in this action is found in Psalm 2218. Verse 25 says, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciples he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. So this is John. Jesus is talking to John refers him to himself throughout this book as the disciple that Jesus loved. Either he was very arrogant about it, or more so likely, I I believe he actually felt the love of Jesus, and he felt that um, overwhelming, incomprehensible love so strongly that Jesus gives us that he firmly believed that he was loved the most, as we all are loved the most by Jesus. So Jesus is basically entrusting the care of his mother, his earthly mother, to John, the disciple, to make sure she's taken care of because Jesus knows he's about to die. And again, this also shows that Jesus, Jesus is about to die. His hands and feet are nailed to a cross right now. And he is still more concerned about the care of other people and the care of those he loves. In verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And that is um, the scripture that is found in Psalm 22, 15. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, 
put it on his hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, It is finished. And he actually said the Hebrew word, then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And it means paid in full. Paid in full. It is finished. He paid our, our sins in full. He paid for our sins. 100% is finished. In verse 31, it was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day. This was Friday night, remember, and they don't, it's Sabbath is coming and they don't want, um, they can't have dead bodies hanging on the Sabbath. So, and it was a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hurry up their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. So when they're hanging on the cross and if they would break their legs, basically they're, they would collapse on top of themselves and they would ultimately suffocate which would speed up their death. So that's what they're wanting here. They want to hurry this along. They want to hurry up and get there more rapidly because um, night is falling and Sabbath is coming. So they're running out of time. So um, so then their bodies could be taken down and they could be laid to rest. So the soldiers came in verse 32 and broke the legs of the two men and crucified the two men that were crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, did pierce his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out of his body. Um, So this proves that Jesus was a real man. Blood and water flowed out of his very physical human body when he was poked. He was a real human man and he experienced a real painful human death and this where they they pierced his side with a spear that's actually um, foretold in exodus chapter 12 verse 36 in verse 35 it says this report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account he speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe these things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they pierced and that the scriptures that foretold that are numbers 9:12 exodus 12:46 psalms 34:20 and zechariah 12:10 if you want to look those up to see the forecasting of Jesus death in verse 38 afterward joseph the amartia who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, he came with Nicodemus because he feared the Jewish leaders he was a secret disciple. He asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. So they're wanting to get Jesus off that cross. Um, and Jesus had just done this incredible act. Like they knew that Jesus, Jesus just died and Jesus was the one they were looking up to. Jesus was the one was the one they hoped would become king and help remove this Roman um, authority over their lives. Like they had high hopes for Jesus and Jesus is their king, but they didn't quite realize in what realm yet. Um, 
because Jesus died and Jesus was the one who knew no sin and he he didn't sin ever. Jesus was God and he didn't sin or do anything wrong, but yet he was crucified and died on the cross to be our sin. He was made our sin and he died on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to suffer because of our sins. And you can read about that also in 2 Corinthians 5.21. So now we have um, Joseph and Nicodemus wanting to get Jesus off that cross. And they brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. They brought 75 pounds of perfumed ointment and spices and they wrap Jesus. But remember they're in a hurry. They have to beat night. Night is coming and they have to have all this done before dawn. So it's not like they're doing a full ceremony and taking their time. They're trying to hurry up because they're running out of time. Um, the place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb. And this was actually Joseph the Aramitic's um, tomb. It was a brand new tomb that had never been used before. See, back in that time, family tombs were often used over and over for decades. Um, and they would just reuse those tombs. But this tomb that Jesus was laid in had never been used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So they go. They went ahead and used Joseph's tomb for Jesus so they could get him safely stowed away before Passover, before sunup. And they had to do all this quickly before sunup. And there were, remember, all the women were next to Jesus when all this happened. So there's women there, his mom and Mary Magdalene, and they're all watching this happen. And they're watching these guys like hurry up and, and get Jesus off the cross and hurry up and wrap him with linen cloths. And they're watching these guys do this. And they, they had made plans that, you know, these guys aren't really doing this that great. We're going to have to come and fix this after the Sabbath. So they're watching and planning to, to fully come back with ointments and, um, perfumes and myrrh and they are going to come back and they're going to fix it. They're going to do it the right way. Like, after the Sabbath. And so Jesus just died. Jesus was just crucified on the cross for us. And he's the savior of the world. And he is executed by and for the world. Jesus is sealed in a tomb. And sealed, a lot of times they show like a little aspirin tablet covering the tomb. But I don't think that's how it was because that would be easy to like flip over. Not super easy, but you get a couple guys together. You could flip over the aspirin circle and get the tomb open. But back in the day, they actually used big, huge rocks and boulders. And they had these little tomb openings. And they would shove these big boulders, kind of like a cork, into the tomb to seal it and close it off. And then it'd be very, very difficult for anyone to open or get into that tomb. So Jesus... The savior of the world, who died for the world and was killed by the world, is sealed tightly in a tomb. And it kind of seems like the end of the story. But there's still two more chapters. So we will come back tomorrow and see what happens next. Good night, y'all.